0: Thank you for watching this virtual lecture event hosted by the Institute of World Politics. For those of you who are new, IWP is a Graduate School of National Security and International Affairs. We have five master's degree programs, 18 certificates of study, and a new doctoral program. If you're interested in learning more about us, please visit iwp.edu. Tonight's event is part of the China Lecture Series sponsored by the Institute of World Politics. This evening, we'll be hearing from Mr. Rick Fisher. Mr. Fisher is a senior fellow with the International Assessment and Strategy Center. In 2016, he joined the advisory board of the Global Taiwan Institute. He has previously worked with the Center for Security Policy, Jamestown Foundation China Brief, U.S. House of Representatives Republican Policy Committee, and the Heritage Foundation. He's the author of China's Military Modernization, Building for Regional and Global Reach. He has studied at Georgetown University and received a BA in 1981 from Eisenhower College. Mr. Fisher, welcome and thank you for joining us this evening.
1: All right. Well, Ms. McGann, thank you so much for that uh, very generous introduction. And uh, I would like to begin by uh, thanking uh, my friend John Lanchowski and uh, the Institute for World Politics uh, for this invitation to speak about uh, Taiwan, uh, the United States, China, and our future. Uh, The Institute for World Politics is one of my favorite organizations in Washington, D.C. Uh, it is a readout for truth and for freedom. And uh, in this in this season of giving, if uh, you have if you can spare to support the institute, uh, you, you would be not just uh, doing yourself and your in your but you would be doing your country a, a great service as well. But okay, uh, on to the show. Uh, I've, I've been asked uh, to speak about uh, the challenge to the United States of preserving the democracy on Taiwan. And I thought I would frame uh, my, my uh, address in terms of uh, why preserving Taiwan remains critically important for the United States, why deterring a Chinese attack uh, is, is, is one of the highest tests Uh, of American global leadership that uh, the United States must not fail. Taiwan, I hold, is the first step toward China's goal of trying to establish global hegemony. Now, uh, if we could go to the the next uh, slide, Ms. McGann. I simply wanted to include for for future reference uh, uh, just a little bit about uh, my organization, the uh, International Assessment and Strategy Center. We've been around since 2004, and uh, we specialize in uh, identifying and describing security challenges to the United States. Uh, and uh, we we uh, do this for uh, many uh, corners of the government, and uh, also uh, widely. In the private sector. Uh, next slide, please. I simply wanted here to list uh, some of the major points that I that I hope to cover uh, in my uh, allotted time. Um, it is simply uh, 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 we we are, we are in a period now where China is changing its strategy towards Taiwan. Uh, since uh, Deng Xiaoping in the 1980s, uh, China had a kind of uh, had a had a sort of common policy towards Hong Kong and Taiwan, uh, and and that is now changing. We'll also look at how geography uh, is is dictating China's desire for uh, control of Taiwan. Uh, as as a means of starting its drive for hegemony. At the same time we'll we'll look into how China, uh, once it captures Taiwan, uh, will press developing advantages already underway to have the capability for global power projection uh, and uh, eventual global hegemony. And this includes not not only, the building of uh, new proto alliances around the world, but also seeking hegemony in outer space. Next slide, please. Okay, as I mentioned, peaceful unification as a policy for China is now fading. Now understand when Deng Xiaoping formulated this strategy and for which there was very little change, Peaceful unification, uh, one country, two systems, was not really as it sounded. This was still a strategy for political and economic warfare to undermine support for democracy in Hong Kong and to arrest and reverse the development of democracy in Taiwan. Well, in both locations, one country, two systems, and thus peaceful unification failed. Uh, When Beijing reneged on its 1985 agreement with Britain to allow for a 50 year transition to Chinese uh, government control in Hong Kong, uh, basically over the course of 2019 and then through early 2020, uh, there, there, there was not only a, a massive backfire reaction in in Hong Kong, but also in Taiwan. And any public support for China's uh, strategy, uh, desire, uh, or united front, really uh, strategy of one country, two systems, simply. Evaporated. In fact, with the 2016 election of the second Democratic Progressive Party government in Taiwan, uh, bets were off for the prospect of Taiwanese wanting to surrender their freedom. Clearly, they've grown used to their freedom, they want to keep it, and the overwhelming majority of Taiwanese from this point on will increasingly reject any uh, offer or, or diktat of unification on China's terms. And now that peaceful unification has faded away, we're seeing increasing statements by Chinese officials and especially in China's state media that uh, China must now embark on a different path. Uh, that peaceful reunification, if it's going to happen, requires force. And by this, China means unification by intimidation. Next slide, please. Why does China want Taiwan? It has always tried to cast the question of Taiwan as unsettled history from the Civil War period of the 1940s. Uh, this has never been the case. Uh, if if uh, the Communist Party of China had wanted to establish a uh, uh, mutually advantageous, peaceful relationship with the government on Taiwan, it could have done so in uh, uh, 1950, but it, it decided not to. Uh, It wants to control Taiwan, first and foremost, to prove to its own citizens that Taiwan's evolution toward democracy is not an option for them. It needs to destroy the democracy on Taiwan in order to demonstrate to Japan, South Korea, and Australia that the United States cannot guarantee their security, and thus that those countries must end their military alliances with Washington. And of course, Taiwan provides simply uh, a, 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 an ideal base for the People's Liberation Army to uh, begin to project power around the world. If you look at the, the map that I have, the, the, the relief map that I have on the in the lower right, uh, you see that Taiwan is surrounded by some of the deepest waters in the Pacific Ocean. And these would be ideal for basing Chinese strategic nuclear ballistic missile submarines. Next slide. And we also have to consider that Taiwan is but the first step in China's or the Communist Party Chinese Communist Party's quest for hegemony. In about 2013, there was a very popular Chinese article that was banned thrown all over uh, the Chinese internet. Chinese censors did not uh, take this article out. They they did not uh, remove this article. I consider that decision as tacit approval for the article. Uh, It was a very nationalist article, but essentially it outlined the six wars that China will have to engage over the next 50 years. The first one, is the war over Taiwan, and very conveniently provided dates. So we're we're in the hot spot right now, sometime between 2020 and 2025, and it ends in about 2060 with the war to take back lost lands from Russia, which uh, would account for really most of Siberia. And this kind of uh, triumphant Uh, uh, anticipation Taiwan will lead to greater control in the world is a theme that you often see on Chinese popular uh, internet uh, military issue, internet web pages. Uh, And uh, I I have a quote from the the popular Mayat military uh, webpage from just this past October. Next next slide, please. And the last two years, we've already started to see China begin to implement its move from strategies of peaceful unification, which again, stressed political and economic warfare. So they weren't particularly peaceful to actual use of military force to intimidate Taiwan. Uh, Just this past October 7, uh, the the Taiwan uh, Minister of National Defense disclosed that uh, China had conducted over 1,700 aerial and over a thousand military naval vessel sorties into Taiwan's air defense identification zone. Responding to these incursions just that for this, just this year have cost Taiwan over a billion dollars. Uh, China is using all of this activity to practice new strateg- joint operation strategies. Uh, it is also practicing uh, amphibious invasion, uh, airborne activities, and it is combining these with naval air and even missile strike activities. This kind of combined arms exercise activity is from this point on going to increase, and I, I look to toward uh, 2021 as 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 providing evidence of this, perhaps multiple aircraft carrier exercises on the east side of Taiwan. Uh, Next slide, please. Now, the PLA has been preparing for a war against Taiwan since the 1950s. One of the most uh, successful American policy endeavors over that same period has been to deter China from attacking Taiwan. But starting in the 1990s and uh, really accelerating in the last 15 years, uh, China has really uh, gone overboard in preparing for uh, uh, an invasion of Taiwan. Uh, This was clear to my friends in Taipei 15 years ago. And uh, uh, it's, it's been a staple of conversation uh, with my friends there for at least that long. Now, China has compared to the United States limited formal airlift to take troops to Taiwan. It wants to build about uh, 400 of its new heavy Y-20 uh, uh a military transport aircraft. It has a, a helicopter force that's greater than a thousand, and uh, is aiming to build a helicopter force of three thousand. In all, uh, PLA air formal air assets could probably lift uh, uh, just uh, a, a brigade to uh, Taiwan. But next slide, please. But when you consider informal airlift, here you have a game changing capability. The PLA organizes into a militia force the 3,000 Boeing and Airbus airliners uh, flown by Chinese uh, airlines. Chinese airlines carry, before the uh, pandemic at least, carried about uh, 1.6 million passengers a day. Taiwan's six largest commercial airports could probably process about 175,000 passengers a day. So, if those airports were captured, that would be about 5.3 million a month. The the one of the key numbers here is 8.6 million, because that's that's the number of households. Uh, family households that you have in Taiwan. China has already demonstrated that it is uh, putting officials into uh, Uyghur households, about a million, to uh, uh, occupy uh, the Uyghur regions. So you would you would think China might want to transport over eight million trusted Chinese to Taiwan to uh, impose the same level of control. Next slide, please. Sea lift has also, formal sea lift has also been a very important area of investment for the People's Liberation Army. Today, uh, with the ships that have been built, uh, they may be able to transport four divisions. Next slide, please. But when you consider informal sea lift, uh, the large number of large uh, roll-on roll-off barges, roll-on roll-off ferries, car carriers, the PLA could lift not just 120,000 troops, but also all their equipment, far more important. And just this year, we've learned that To execute this strategy, the PLA does not have to capture uh, the very few large and efficient ports of Taiwan. The PLA has now developed its own kind of mulberry temporary dock that the uh, Allies used to invade uh, Normandy in 1944. Uh, The PLA now has the ability to build its own mulberry docks and use its informal sea lift to uh, offload troops and equipment uh, where they can. Next slide, please. And over the last decade, the PLA has invested heavily in new medium weight units. These are much easier to carry transport roll on and then roll off the informal sea lift. Uh, tanks, armored personnel carriers, support vehicles, the such. Uh, Next slide, please. And the PLA will soon have a joint force of anti-ship ballistic missiles. This past uh, August 25, uh, the PLA actually tested for the first time that we were able to observe uh, two types of anti-ship ballistic missiles and hit, they hit a moving target ship near the Paracel Islands in the South China Sea. Land-based anti-ship ballistic missiles are now joined by an air-launched version carried by PLA Air Force H6N bombers. And we know from informal Chinese sources and from uh, interviews at uh, arm shows that uh, they are developing new ship-launched anti-ship ballistic missiles. Next slide, please. Taiwan's recently developed strategy for countering an invasion has been called the overall defense concept. Essentially Taiwan is acquiring uh, the the, for- the weapons and the forces necessary to defeat a Chinese invasion in the littoral region in the region up to 50 kilometers off the coast of Taiwan. The United States, is very pleased that Taiwan has adopted the strategy and arms sales in 2020 have uh, reinforced Taiwan's ability to carry out the strategy, particularly 400 uh, new uh, ground launched anti-ship missiles. But China has been anticipating the strategy as well and has is going to attack Taiwan's overall defense concept with the advanced development of new robot Uh, weapons, Uh, unmanned aerial combat aircraft, unmanned ships, uh, rotor-powered UAVs that are armed with uh, guns or small missiles, unmanned submarines to help clear out uh, the beaches, and also uh, unmanned uh, small ships that can fire charges to defeat any uh, uh, mines that Taiwan would plant on its beaches. Next slide, please. So having conquered Taiwan, there's ample evidence that China will use that as a stepping stone to build uh, a, a greater ability for global power projection. In 2019, China, China's defense minister in, in uh, July of that year finally admitted that uh, China's uh, hundreds of billions of dollars, even trillions of dollars uh, belt and road initiative had a military component. That as China goes around the world buying roads, building bridges, investing in a country's physical or even electronic infrastructure, that it is also going to be offering its customers, so to speak, uh, an increasingly sophisticated military relationship, a relationship that China hopes will lead to increasing access, especially with Belt and Road partners that are lo- that have ports on oceans. Next slide, please. Now, as China projects its economic and political power via the Belt and Road, it has already been very active in building the kinds of proto-alliances that China hopes to dominate and then use to uh, affirm its influence, even control over critical regions important to China. Since the late 1990s, of course, uh, China has been a key member of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization as it as it was forming. Uh, was very quick to host the organization in Shanghai. Uh, there's a bit of tussle uh, over over leadership and influence with Russia, but that's kind of subsiding. I think most members now view China as the dominant partner. And uh, the main product of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization are uh, annual or biannual very large and increasingly sophisticated military exercises. Uh, India and Pakistan have joined the Shanghai Cooperation Organization. uh, And in response to this move to put pressure on India, China, decided to increase the size of its bilateral military exercises with Russia. Uh, Sort of trying to dominate the military relationship with Russia uh, and uh, lord that over the Indians. At least that's how I see it. Next slide, please. A second proto-alliance emerged in uh, 2018, originally called the China-Africa Defense and Security Forum. Now it is called the China-Africa Peace and Security Forum. Uh, all, almost all African countries except one, Swaziland, are members. And so far, it's basically another excuse to go to Beijing with uh, your family, your wives, and go on uh, Chinese-subsidized shopping expeditions. But uh, the Chinese probably have big plans. Uh, They will use this organization to advance bilateral military relationships and to promote uh, a consensus hostile to democracy on Africa and, of course, hostile to the United States. And uh, this forum will also be used to help encourage Latin Americans to form a similar military forum. Next slide, please. China, of course, is seeking a global network of bases. It already has one in Djibouti. Venezuela offered, or at least was reported to have offered a uh, base an island to China in 2014. Uh, The Chinese leaked the story to the Chinese press so that the foreign ministry could deny it the next day, but the message is clear. Uh, Countries where we have great leverage, like Venezuela, could also supply us bases. China has a space tracking and control base in Argentina. Uh, This base remained after China tried to sell Argentina the means to start, at least to consider a second war against the Falklands. So when China gains access, gains political influence, it will use military relationships and arms sales to uh, foment conflict that China hopes it can benefit from. And in uh, such a conflict over over the Falklands, China probably would be a major beneficiary. Next slide, please. So far, China-Russia military cooperation is developing uh, at a pace. There is suspicion that because China and Russia engage in missile defense exercises that they might also be considering missile offense or nuclear targeting cooperation. Should there be a war against Taiwan Uh, I would expect that uh, Russia would provide military assistance. It has bombers and ships and submarines that could harass Japan, uh, uh, harass American forces traversing the Pacific. And I expect that Russia will help China to continue to develop its new joint force doctrines. Next slide, please. And we really can't forget to include a discussion of outer space when we consider China's hegemony projection. In order to control the earth, to be militarily dominant on the earth at least, China also has to control the moon, militarily control the moon. Just uh, this past September, Chinese officials admitted something that I had been suspecting for the last two years, that China has a sophisticated manned moon program that it is building the capability to reach the moon, to put its people on the moon before 2030 and to challenge the American presence on the moon. And uh, a a key conference at the end of September revealed uh, new images of uh, what China is developing uh, to uh, to put its people on the moon. Uh, next slide, please. In order to dominate the earth, to be the hegemon, China is also going to have to be the most powerful nuclear armed country. And uh, while there is great debate amongst uh, uh, PLA watchers and arms control, uh, mavens over whether China would ever uh, build up its nuclear forces to a level matching United States or Russia. I think this is already happening. China is, is developing so many ICBMs and SLBMs that uh, with even one or two units of each. And w- when you add up the numbers of uh, multiple warheads, China begins to uh, approach the number of American warheads, 1550, uh, very quickly. Next slide, please. In uh, May of 2019, Chinese uh, television uh, offered a, a story that China could have 10 aircraft carriers by 2049. After China builds its next conventionally powered, non-nuclear powered carrier, that we see under construction in Shanghai today, uh, it is very possible that China could begin construction of nuclear powered aircraft carriers. And when China begins to build nuclear powered aircraft carriers, they'll also build nuclear powered escort cruisers and more importantly, nuclear powered supply ships. So in my estimation by the 2030s, China will be Uh, deploying the first totally nuclear powered aircraft carrier battle groups. Next slide, please. And China is also investing heavily in fifth generation and sixth generation warfare. And by sixth generation warfare, uh, we mean uh, reliance on artificial intelligence, reliance on uh, energy weapons, reliance on information as as a weapon in and of itself, combining these with earlier fifth generation and fourth generation systems to achieve victory on Earth. Next slide, please. And uh, when you talk about Naval projection, aircraft carriers, of course, are what many of us focus on. But it's also very important to focus on how China is now building large, 45,000 ton uh, logistic support ships. Uh, This design is uh, suspected by many of being based on the US Navy's uh, supply class, large uh, support ship. Uh, Two of these have been built. I expect many more will be built to support China's global maritime projection. Next slide, please. Surface combatants are also growing in number. A few weeks ago, uh, a prominent uh, Chinese uh, web expert uh, released uh, data about uh, the near term increase in the number of Chinese cruisers and destroyers. Uh, This is sufficient so that by 2030, the Chinese Navy could have more vertical launch missile systems on its ships than the United States Navy has in uh, the Pacific Ocean. That's a very significant development, more missiles at sea than the United States Navy. Next slide, please. The PLA Navy, as part of its projection plans, is also building up its Gator Navy, its amphibious navy. Uh, it may build up to 12 new landing uh, uh, helicopter dock uh, uh, ships, or I said I should say eight LHDs and uh, 12 landing platform dock type ships. Uh, reportedly developing a kind of uh, unmanned aircraft carrier version of the type 075 LHD. All of these could be used to transport considerable number of troops to points around the globe uh, as desired by the Chinese Communist Party leadership. Next slide please. Thank you. Corps uh, has been reformed from divisions to brigades uh, or actually the, the, it was always uh, brigades but the number of brigades have, has been increased and there is a, a very rapid movement to arm the Marine Corps with new medium weight, much more easily uh, transportable armor. the the Z-15 uh, light tank and uh, the medium weight wheeled vehicles that I mentioned earlier. Next slide, please. So how do we put a stop to such a future? A future in which China attacks Taiwan, takes over Taiwan, destroys that democracy, destroys the American Alliance network in Asia, and then proceeds to on its road to hegemony. Well, the way in which you stop this awful future is by making sure that China never wins the first battle, the battle for Taiwan. And the Trump administration deserves enormous credit for having turned the American policy ship of state from policies characterized by engagement, usually appeasement, to actually confronting the Chinese threat, describing the Chinese threat, and committing to build up the kind of military that we need. To deter and defeat in Asia today the most important decisions made by the Trump administration include the decision to leave the 1987 uh, intermediate nuclear forces agreement and to begin production and de- or begin development and production of new American short medium and intermediate range ballistic missiles I would offer that without these missiles, the United States will not be able to deter Chinese aggression in Asia. They are absolutely necessary. The new short range ballistic missiles and medium range ballistic missiles should be sold to our allies, perhaps even Taiwan. We've already started selling Taiwan short range ballistic missiles, but Taiwan is gonna need much more. Next slide. My hope is that we could sell Taiwan 10,000 of something. The recent decision this year to sell Taiwan, 64 of the 300 kilometer range of short range ballistic missile, and then 400 of the ground launched Harpoon anti-ship cruise missiles is a very good start uh, and a very brave decision considering past arms sales. the reluctance of both uh, Democrat and Republican administrations to sell Taiwan major new military capabilities. But it's going to take much more and fast, and it has to be done uh, at a bargain price. The United States has several systems that it could offer Taiwan that would produce real capability, invasion stopping capability, at a bargain price. For example, we have uh, a uh, a cruise missile, a very lightweight small cruise missile. Uh, the, the acronym is uh, MALD. It has a, a range of about 700 kilometers, very small warhead, but it only costs about 150 to $200,000. Uh, considering the uh, 100000 or $100 million price, of an F-16 fighter, we could potentially sell Taiwan thousands of malled cruise missiles armed to take out invasion ships, uh, especially the thousands of uh, informal militia invasion ships that China could be using to invade Taiwan. Uh, so I would just offer the conclusion that the United States can prevent the invasion of Taiwan. It can deter China from destroying the democracy there and beginning its, its path to global hegemony. We can do this in the next four years. The Trump administration uh, was very brave and started us down that path. We can continue Many of these policies and intentions, and meet with some success. And uh, this uh, takes me takes me to uh, the end of my allotted time. And uh, I'd be happy to uh, entertain uh, any questions uh, from the audience. All right. Um, so
0: we do have a few questions coming in from attendees. Um, The first question we have is, what time does it take for a missile launch from southern China to hit Taipei? What is the time it would take a roll-on cargo ship slash troop carrier to reach Taiwan from South China?
1: I I expect that the LST barge size rogo ships Will come flooding out of the Yangtze uh, Basin, uh, in in the middle of Shanghai. Uh, the Yangtze Basin, uh, as far as I can tell, is very organized. Uh, the militia, or there is a militia organization, that organizes all the barges there, and uh, I would I would expect that, uh, well within a day of uh, leaving, uh, the Yangtze Estuary. Uh, those ships could be uh, close enough to Taiwan to begin offloading on uh, temporary docks or into captured ports.
0: Next question we have, um, if war games reportedly show the U.S. losing a battle with China over Taiwan, what can be done to redress this vulnerability?
1: Well, the most, the most important uh, uh, contribution the United States can make today is to follow through on intentions uh, initiated by the Trump administration to develop several new types of land, naval, and air-launched ballistic missiles, uh, and then to move a few thousand of them uh, to to our forces in Asia and offer, where appropriate, uh, some of those systems for sale to our uh, allies and partners like Taiwan. Uh, Of course, the missiles require targeting assets, uh, space assets, secure space assets, uh, and unmanned aircraft, perhaps other unmanned systems like uh, stratospheric uh, blimps to uh, ensure the targeting of, of said missiles. And also, U.S. forces will require anti-missile capabilities, not just uh, interceptor missiles like THAAD uh, or, or more capable uh, Naval, uh, the SM-3 variants, but also energy weapons. Uh, continued investments in the railgun to allow aircraft carriers to defend themselves from anti-ship ballistic missiles, and also uh, laser weapons that can arm ships and aircraft and also be used to take down ballistic missiles. Uh, If China understands that its missile barrage is going to fail, it's not going to launch its aircraft barrage. And without air superiority, it's not going to launch its ships to invade Taiwan either. So this is how we maintain the status quo, keep the PLA on its side of of the Taiwan Strait.
0: Thank you. Um, next question I have for you: uh, From your view graphs, it appears that China will not be ready for a military assault against Taiwan for at least a couple slash few years. How can the U.S. and or Japan assist Taiwan in making a Chinese assault a non-starter?
1: We can accelerate the sales that the Trump administration is committed to. And uh, improve on them. 64 attackums short-range ballistic missiles should be viewed as just a start. Uh, Lockheed was, according to reports, developing an anti-ship capable version or anti-ship capable warhead for the attackums missile. Uh, As soon as that system is tested, it should be offered for sale to Taiwan. Uh, If necessary. We need to equip Taiwan with the means to produce those missiles itself. The ballistic anti ship missile is very fast, very difficult to shoot down, has sufficient range to cover some of the outlying islands around Taiwan, uh, like the Penghu Islands in the middle of uh, the Taiwan Strait or the Pratas that uh, we're very worried about China doing a smash and grab attack against. Um, we could put attackum's missiles on uh, civilian transport aircraft, 747 cargo craft, and uh, increase the Taiwan inventory by several hundred. We've purchased enough for uh, the U.S. Army inventory so that we could spare one or 200 more to Taiwan for immediate delivery. Uh, I would, strongly encourage that we consider that kind of gesture to uh, put the PLA off balance and make clear that the interim period of PLA preparation, final preparation, which is also a period of Taiwan vulnerability, will not be allowed to pass. That we will not allow Taiwan to be vulnerable for the next few years as China builds up for for a period of temporary superiority.
0: Thank you, I believe we have time for a few more questions. Um, Next question is how challenging is it for China to power project? Is this a vulnerability that the US can leverage?
1: Okay, Uh, I'm sorry, you'll have to repeat that question.
0: How challenging is it for China to power project? Is this a vulnerability that the US can leverage?
1: China does not practice large scale, uh, formal and informal power projection for a Taiwan Strait scenario. It hopes that we're ignoring this capability and that it can spring an invasion of uh, thousands of civilian ships by surprise. Now, as for more distant power projection, Uh, Over the course of the 2020s, we will see China practice skills necessary for maritime and airborne power projection. China has already started using its Y-20 transports to move uh, military equipment to Russia for uh, military exercises, the recent uh, Kavkaz 2020 exercise. As China builds more Y 20s and especially Y 20s with new, more powerful, high bypass, indigenous high bypass uh, turbofans, these aircraft will be used more. And the PLA will also seek Antonov 124 size or American C 5 size equivalent uh, aerial transports. I fully expect that. uh, In 2021 uh, to 2022, we will begin to see PLA Navy uh, combine uh, LHDs and LPDs uh, in exercises and uh, in distant uh, uh, showing the flag uh, exercises.
0: So we'll take one more question. Um, This will be the last question of the night. Uh, What is an actionable trigger by China that would result in certain response by the U.S. short of an actual cross-strait invasion?
1: I guess what I guess the question is: What would trigger a Chinese attack against Taiwan? Is that fair? Yeah. Yes. Well, it's very hard to say. Uh, China practically every week. Uh, lists reasons for uh, an eventual attack on Taiwan. Uh, I view it this way. As soon as China believes it can succeed with an invasion, it will mount the invasion. Uh, A critical tell, though, uh, a very important sign that uh, an invasion could be imminent Will be a nuclear event on the Korean Peninsula. China has worked hard to make sure that North Korea has become a nuclear missile state. If North Korea should uh, engage in even a limited nuclear attack against Japan or South Korea, that would create a critical and necessary focus for the United States military. And China will exploit that focus to attempt either uh, an actual invasion of Taiwan or a show of military force or a blockade that would prompt Taiwan or force Taiwan into surrender negotiations. Uh, and uh, so so essentially China has created options and is actively working on alternate scenarios and reasons for assessing that it can win against Taiwan and therefore it will be in control of its own timetable.
0: Well, thank you very much uh, for that informative lecture, uh, Mr. Fisher. I believe that's all the time that we have. I would like to thank Um, all of you who tuned in here on Zoom and Facebook. If you're interested in attending other upcoming webinar events, supporting IWP or applying to one of our graduate programs, please go to IWP.edu. Again, that's IWP.edu. Thanks again, everyone. Thank you, Mr. Fisher.
1: Thank you.